This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 338. What's your process for creating an offer, for designing a program? How do you honor your talents and your expertise while still honoring the process of coaching? That's exactly what we're going to dive into with my special guest, Susan Collins, today. We're going to talk about her path into coaching, how she honors what she knows to be true for her clients, how she tackles the need for perfection and brings forward a product that she knows her clients need and allows them to blossom and be their best. Join us as we explore the process of creating our offer. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm delighted that you've joined us. We have a great show for you today. I have a delightful guest to introduce you to, and we'll be doing that in just a moment. If this is your first time to the show or you're new to meeting me, my name's Meg Rentschler. I'm an executive and leadership coach and also a coach instructor and mentor coach. And I believe that coaching, the power of listening more deeply, looking for people's strengths, leaning into our connection, and that each and every person has their own unique talents and gifts to bring to the world. Well, when we are doing that, whether we're a coach or a leader or a parent or, gosh, just a member of the world, we are going to make the world a better place. And one of the ways that I like to offer this opportunity to all of you is through the Star Coach Show, where we really dive into different strategies, tools, and resources that we can use to communicate more effectively, to build businesses that help us bring our gifts into the world, to change organizations through coaching. So with that, In today's show, we're going to be diving into how we create offers or create products that we know our clients need, leaning into our own expertise, and then inviting clients to bring what's important to them to the table as well. My guest today is my friend and client, Susan Collins. Susan is a former talent acquisition leader. She's had a front row seat of watching careers rise and fall, staying curious about why some people thrive and others, even though they're incredibly talented, never realized their potential. When she took her extensive experience from the corporate arena where she's guided thousands of people into career decisions and looking at things and knowing the inner workings of behind the scenes in the corporate world. She's now been able to take that knowledge as a career growth coach and focus in on helping leaders create those meaningful goals, 
find their way to a career path that really sings for them, and let go of working around regret instead of stepping into joy. So now her clients step into joy. She takes an innovative approach to help her clients understand themselves better through her career narratives and her career self-care path. So Susan's agreed to join me today to talk about her path into coaching. I've had the honor of being her coach prior to her becoming a coach through where she's at right now, which is bringing all this incredible value to her clients and leaning into what she knows to be true for her client population by creating a program that they need that allows them to break through barriers that are keeping them stuck. And so I'm so grateful that Susan has agreed to join us today and just be really transparent about the path that she's walked, where she's at right now, and help us understand her journey to creating her offer, which is this career self-care program. I'm just so excited to introduce you to Susan and to have us all learn together. So with no further ado, let me go to my interview with Susan Collins. Susan Collins, welcome to the Star Coach Show. I feel like this is just full circle. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to having you. One of the things that I'm really committed about doing with the show as we move forward is really highlighting some of the clients that I've worked with and having others learn about their journeys, what they are doing now. I really want to spotlight the good work that you're doing. And I appreciate the fact that you're willing to share some of the path that you've walked so that others can A, get inspired by it, B, realize that, okay, we all fall down, scrape our knees sometimes, keep going, and that we can learn so much from what we bring to the world outside of our coaching lens. So I think that one of the things that many new coaches struggle with is, okay, now I'm, I'm brand new to coaching. But you bring this plethora of experience from your life beforehand. And we're going to talk about how you've woven that into the kinds of things that you're doing now. So does that sound good? Sounds great. It's been a journey for sure. It certainly has. So why don't we start with what turned you on to coaching to begin with? What was it that started this path from... Uh, being a leader in retail and HR, talent management, all those elements that you were doing, and then somebody turned you on to coaching. So I was at this point in my career as a talent acquisition leader for a large retail brand where I thought I wanted next, but I was starting to question things and my thought partner gave me a coach for one of my big birthdays, a big birthday that I'm not going to say out loud. (laughs) And when she gave it to me, I thought, honestly, I cried like this is one of the most generous gifts I've ever been given, but it's not something that's sustainable. Like, I'm like, how 
can I afford a coach? Like, what is this going to do for me? It's like three months. What am I going to do? And by the time it was over, I was like, how can I afford not to have a coach? So just to fill the story in for my birthday, I was given a package with you to kind of help me figure out what was next. I thought that it was going to be corporate America. And I think we got really close to something really great in corporate America. And then I changed my mind. Well, and I think a couple things happened that the take to you. Yes, you changed your mind and some other opportunities opened up. And part of that was impacted by the pandemic. So I know that many people who are listening had some pivots happen because we were faced with challenges that just were, I mean, if we think back to what we dealt with and what we learned and what we had to face, it's kind of mind-blowing that we come to where we are now based on all the, I mean, things, the bottom fell out of many things. Say that everybody has a chapter that starts and then the pandemic, right? Right. So- I was moving along. My corporate career was going. I felt really good. And then the pandemic and I got furloughed. I've had a job since the day I turned 16. Like I've had a job. I've loved my job. You could tell every time I fell out of love with my job. But what I didn't realize is that I had gotten so involved in it that I wasn't practicing that career self-care all of the time, right? It was you know, go, 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 do, do, do. It was the job kept getting bigger and bigger. Budgets were being cut. And when I went on my first furlough, like that first day, I think I did like 11 miles. I did like three runs that day. I was like, in this kind of state, my job isn't my self-identity. And I kind of let it get to that place where I wanted more so badly that I was sacrificing some things that I probably shouldn't have been. So we get this great self-awareness sometimes when we have, are forced into things being shaken up and it disturbs our equilibrium to a place that we have to reassess. And so one of the things that I love about your story and what you're bringing forward right now is that you're a perfect example of how when we're making a pivot, and for those of you who make a pivot into coaching, what you learned about yourself, Susan, you've been able to apply to what you want to offer your population. So you mentioned career self-care. What does that look like and, and how has that now evolved into what you want to offer to your audience? I saw careers rise and fall. I see really talented leaders who weren't getting ahead because they were not practicing what I've really kind of defined as the eight career narratives. So there is something to be said for being great at your job and doing your job, but there are other things that you have to do along the way to move your career forward. Your job does not speak for itself alone. There are other things that you have to do. And you know, we get so caught up in corporate America with what people say, politics, corporate politics, it's all about the politics. And it's really not about the politics as much as it is being willing to advocate for yourself and others, being able to cultivate the right relationships. So often in the world, we don't embrace networking because it's just something on the to-do list that gets put behind everything else. And then a lot of the clients that I work with don't see the value until they feel lost. And then they're like, I haven't kept up with my network. I haven't done these things to ignite curiosity within my personal brand. And so I've really built a framework that helps bring clarity and focus 
to a full career. And uh, just by having the seat that I had in corporate America, I've really been able to study and see where where things have gone wrong for really amazing corporate leaders. And so that's the practice that I've built. It's still all about coaching and bringing awareness and making the invisible visible to great leaders. So I love the the clarity that you have now, the the framework that you've developed, and we're going to lean more heavily into that in just a minute. Let's maybe paint a picture of the path that it took to get to that clarity. Because I know that many times when we think about going into coaching or we begin that path, and it was actually when you first started and your intention was to do more of a consulting sort of teaching kind of of framework. And then we talked about how coaching might add to your toolbox in a way that would shift things a little bit. How did adding coaching to your toolbox begin to shift the way that you looked at what you wanted to offer? So I really thought I would just be a career consultant, helping people kind of get their careers on track. And we're still in the pandemic. I think I was on my second furlough and you had called and told me about this coaching education program that you thought I should try it out. And really coaching is more about the individual. And that's what I realized is I don't want to tell people the answers. I want to help lead them on a path that helps them find the answers that are right for them. But without that coaching education, I don't think that I ever really would have realized that. And so I took this wonderful class, met really amazing people. We all, I mean, I've got a meeting with three of them tonight. Like we all say in touch somehow, but I think what it did for me is it opened up a world trial and error. So we pivoted from I'm going to be a consultant to I'm going to be a coach. I didn't really know what that looked like. And as I started to just take on people to coach, because first you've got to do a hundred hours of coaching. So I was pretty much taking on whoever, whatever. And a lot of that was coming from my friends. And as I started to coach different types of people, it started to bring clarity to my message. So in the beginning, I just was like, hey, I'm a coach. I want to help you. I knew that I was passionate about that self-care of your career, but I didn't really know how it was going to come to fruition. And it's taken me two years to really get my framework in place. So you got clearer and clearer over mm-hmm. the course of time. And part of that, I know that sometimes we get pushback on as coaches is what you're supposed to just be curious and you're supposed to, the client brings everything. And what I push back on that, and I have several shows about that. And, and this is what I lean into in the Star Coach community and in the mentoring that I do is that, yes, your client brings the content, but each of us has expertise in different areas. And your expertise was, you've said, you've seen the rise and fall of people's careers. You have walked lockstep with people who are frustrated and who are soaring. I mean, both. And so you put all of that together and said, what do I know to be true? And then began to build out, what do I want to offer people based upon what I know to be true? And so as coaches and the most profitable and fulfilled coaches that I know 
offer more than one thing. So one of the things that you're looking at offering is I have a course or a program that I'm going to invite people into based upon the knowledge that I've gained over the years and now stepping into this skill set of coaching. So Susan, how did you begin to put the pieces together? Well, I had a really great coach, so that helped, right? So well, coaches need coaches. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it really has been two years of listening to people, to watching their bumps, to thinking back to my corporate experience. And I think I had a PowerPoint going for a year where I would listen or I would learn something. I would write it down. I would add it to the PowerPoint. I would move things around. I've reordered. I've renamed And all of a sudden, it just miraculously came together in a course that I'm going to be offering in the near future that is not only about, you know, what are the eight career narratives that you need to move your career forward? So you've got to be great at your job, but what are those narratives? And then it's going to be combined with group coaching. So it gives people that space to work out those narratives and figure out how they apply in their world. But it's not something that I woke up one morning and said, here's my vision, run with it. It is something that I have been working on for, I mean, my whole life, really. It's something that I've seen my whole life, my whole corporate life. And it's just the more you coach, the clearer your vision becomes, the more honed your clients become. And my whole goal is that people can have successful corporate careers and go to work and love their job every day because When I started this, when I think about the things that I was saying in the beginning, like my motto has always been, if you don't like your job, quit. It's ideal if you have another job before you quit. But how do you find that job that you love? And and so that has come together over time. And it's not perfect yet, but it's pretty darn good. And I've been using these narratives with my executives that I've been coaching. And you see those light bulbs come off and then you see them run down the path that's right for them. We'll be back to my interview with Susan Collins right after this. Hey folks, one of the things that Susan really stresses in her journey as a coach is connecting with other like-minded individuals, being a part of a community to help her thrive. I'm proud to say that Susan is a member of the Star Coach community, and I invite you to be one as well. It is difficult to do all the lifting alone. Isolation can break our creativity, break our ability to bring our best forward, and truthfully, just leave us in a spin. That's why I created the Star Coach community, to have a place where coaches can come together, be challenged to do their best, get their questions answered, and thrive in their businesses. So if you would like to be a part of a thriving coaching community, explore the community at starcoachshow.com and grab the link in the show notes at starcoachshow.com slash 338. That's starcoachshow.com slash 338. Join us. Now let's go back to my interview with Susan Collins. Some things that you're saying that I really want to highlight is that you took 
your experience and that you didn't stop there. You have tested this theory with your clients, your Mm -hmm. one-on-one clients. You continue to refine using their language and these eight career narratives that you can lean into in a teaching way and in a discovery way then gives material for what we're going to be coaching around. However, they bring the content to that session. So it's very much a lovely union of what you know to be true and how that's unique to each client. And each client is going to bring their own unique perspective forward. One of the other things that you did in your previous life, but that I think is brilliant, is that early on, or how many, ever many years ago, I think you like started, 12 years ago, 12 years ago, you decided I want to build a LinkedIn community. What led you to even wanting to do that to begin with? So led the TA function. So I led recruiters in a large organization. There was a small number of recruiters and a large number of openings. And I was actually talking to one of my competitors in the industry, who's now my thought partner. And we started saying, we had to teach people to fish, right? Like you got to teach a man to fish. You've got to show them how to do it. And I've always believed that there's a job for everyone. It may not feel like it right now. The job search process is exhausting. Recruiters are getting a bad rap because of follow-up and ghosting and candidates are getting called out for ghosting. Like there's a lot going on. But if we could help educate the industry and the community we'd all be better for it. So our motto was to help the individual and the industry, you know, be better and, and and find their people. And so we started a community where we started doing networking events and we started helping people connect. And pretty soon we were doing 40 events a year across the country. We were seeing thousands of people. We were building this LinkedIn community that today has over 19,000 people. But the the reason we started to do this is because we need each other right? We can't do it alone. You can't build a career alone. You can't be successful alone. And so the more we could connect people and help them put those dots together, the more success everyone had. So if if somebody is listening and thinking, well, hopefully lots of people are listening and thinking, um, well, gosh, where would I even begin in the concept of using what's out there? LinkedIn is out there. It's available. Mm -hmm. Um, you said, you know, we're better together. And, and this wasn't something you were paid to do. This was something that you and your thought partner said, let's put energy over here. And now you've built this incredible community. Mind you, you've shifted a little bit, but it doesn't make the community any less relevant. So if in fact, somebody is listening and saying, well, what do you mean you did events? You did think, Tell us a little bit about nurturing a community. It starts with action, right? It starts with picking up the phone, making a phone call, talking to someone and listening to their needs. So we started the community without any expectations, which is how starting a great conversation starts, right? Like with no expectations. Uh, We weren't looking for anything. We felt like if we contributed to the industry, it would help others. And the, I get goosebumps. The neat thing is, is that it's paid me back a million times over, right? As my recruiting teams grew or needed something, I could reach out to the community and be like, Hey, we're looking for this. And somebody always has stepped in and said, 
I've got an idea or here's a person to contact. But if you, and I say this to my clients all the time, like you have to network and they'll say, well, I haven't talked to this person in a year. I haven't talked to this person in two years. You have to remember it's human nature that people want to help people. So you also have to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. So if you trip over your tongue when you make the phone call, it's okay. Just say, okay, I need to start over. Hey, Meg, you know what? We haven't connected in a year, but I was thinking about you today. And one of the things that I need to do is embrace my community, grow my community, grow my network. Would you have five or 10 minutes that we could just connect and catch up and see what's happening? When you enter into a relationship with no expectations, no one can disappoint you. Love that. And when we think about the four agreements, which is one of my favorite sort of framework philosophies about the way we talk with ourselves and you know, we make it all about ourselves. The reality is you've had a busy two years. That other person's probably had a busy two years. I promise you they've not been laying awake at night thinking, why hasn't Susan called me in two years? And then in fact, it's like, oh my gosh, has it really been two years? And beginning sort of that conversation. So that then becomes, even though you've pivoted, you still have this amazing community that you've built the no like trust factor with. And so mm-hmm. for anybody who's like, yeah, but I didn't do it 12 years ago. That's okay. I wanted you to hear what Susan did and how she continues to nurture and engage with her community. And she's able to sort of pivot and say, look what I'm doing now. And here's some new things that I've learned. And let me sort of challenge you with those things. So it does. It's not like I have to scrap everything I did prior to becoming a coach. No, it's it's you have, and I'm willing to bet everybody who's listening has some resources and some things that maybe you've put to the side thinking they're in my previous life that maybe would actually serve you in building your business, reconnecting with people, creating a buzz around what you're doing now. Thoughts about that, Susan? I think we all have a community. We just may not be calling them a community, right? You've got previous supervisors, previous coworkers, previous colleagues. And in the beginning, when I started coaching, probably 80% of my clients came from my previous colleagues or friends. Like they have stepped in and said, Hey, I heard this person say something. It sounds like they need a coach. I'd like to make an introduction. You have a community already. It may not be 19,000 people, but it really just takes that inner circle to help you start moving forward. And that inner circle could include someone that you haven't talked to in a year or two, but it is that reconnection that could make all the difference in the world for getting your business going. So as we lean into that, I would like to now shift a little bit into what you're offering. And as, as, This is also, I really got excited when we were talking and wanted to line you up in May because May is also mental health awareness. And I think that career self-care also leans into mental health well care. Like we are not robots that can just keep everything compartmentalized and away from one another. So part of our journey as coaches, we have to do our mental health care and well-being and For you and your clients, when you're working with your clients towards career self-care, how does the whole concept of self-care and mental health care sort of fit into that picture as well? 
One of the big things that I talk about with my clients is how well they're holding boundaries. You know, the most interesting people at work, when you think about those people that you're really attracted to, they've got a really interesting story to share when they come back from the weekend or if their day off is Thursday, whatever it is, they have a life outside of work. And so often, I think when we want something so badly, whether it's a promotion to VP or it's a move to Alaska, whatever it is in our career that's that next right step, we start giving things up because we feel like the more we put in, the more we get back. So I coach leaders around building a full career of self-care and taking care of themselves first so that their careers move forward. And we can't give it all to work. You can't give all of yourself to anything. You can't give all yourself to your family. You can't give all yourself to work. You have to find that balance. And part of that balance is holding boundaries and finding your happiness in that full circle versus putting it all in one place. Love that. So as we talk about balance, the other balance piece that comes up for me that I know we've worked on and you've given me permission to kind of bring Mm -hmm. up, and I know that it is not unique to you, is when we are working toward opening up a new program, a new product, a new something for our audience, we can get caught in that wheel of wanting perfection. And the perfection wheel can create a barrier to actually offering it to all the people who need it. So what would you say has been your personal journey through finding the balance between this is good enough and, oh my gosh, but it's not exactly what I want it to be yet. It's so hard, right? Like you want it to be perfect. You want people to really get it and understand it and roll with it. And it's funny because you and I've been talking about this like podcast and this journey for a few months now. And for me, what I realized is my message is clear. My program is pretty good. It's, it's really it's good, really but good. it's not perfect, <laughs> but it's not perfect, right? Like it's not perfect. I, I feel like it's everything the world needs, but it's going to get better the more I do it. So I've got to just get it out there, release it to the world. I just really want to help careers move forward. So it's not, it doesn't have to be perfect if it makes a difference in somebody's career. And that was probably the hardest piece for me because. I want the perfect PowerPoint. I want the perfect language. I want it to roll off the tip of my tongue and nobody question me. And, you know, who am I to say this? I've got way more than 10% of most of the world when it comes to building careers. I've seen it, done it, helped with it, facilitated it, turned people down, hired people. Like I've done all of that. It's enough. And that was a really hard thing to say out loud is it's enough. It's going to make a difference. It's not perfect. That's okay. Well, and the ironic thing about that is that it's probably not going to get more fine-tuned until you get the data from bringing it out there. So it's sort of this catch-22. I want it to be perfect, but really to continue to tweak it, fine-tune it, and make it more of what people need, you have worked around the incredible knowledge that you already have. You've created a beautiful program that meets probably 98% of what, and and that extra 2% isn't going to be known until it's in front of people. So 
thank you for being willing to talk about that because I promise you, you're not the only one who struggles with that. And what is amazing is that such value is already going to be given and in and is already there. And then in your program, it's going to be sort of a process, a time. So you're not releasing everything on day one. It's, you know, first month, we're going to work on this. And then you're going to learn things from first month that you could tweak second month. I mean, it's, and this is sort of a prime example of a great way to build a brand new program is that we almost build it while we're flying. We just have, and believe me, you have so much, it's already built out, but when, what's the scariest thing about saying, okay, this is what I'm offering? Scariest thing about saying, what am I offering? Probably the scariest thing is that people don't see the value, right? They don't understand what I'm trying to do, or I think that's that and the technology. Okay. Are, so are the two what, scary things. Right. So with technology, we research and then we sometimes hire people to help us with the technology part, even though I know that sometimes that can be a stretch. And then I would ask you and everyone who's listening, when that story comes up about, is this going to bring value? You lean into the people that you've already shared it with. So what's the evidence for you, Susan, of the value that this brings? Two things. One, I knew it was going to work when I started bringing up the narratives in individual situations. It wouldn't be like all eight narratives, but it would be based off of my client situation we would talk about one of the narratives and you would see things start to change for them in their career. So that was the biggest evidence was that I could see it working with executives and how they started to change their behaviors or their thoughts around whichever narrative it was. And then, you know, I took it past, you know, leaders, executives, like I've taken the program outline past them and asked for feedback and asked for um, their thoughts on it and ask them who they think in their life could benefit from it. And they could all come up with a short list. So I have done my due diligence to that piece to feel really good about helping people move their careers forward. Okay. Those stories can be really powerful that we tell ourselves and they can create all sorts of barriers. So I'm thrilled that you're leaning into, but what does the evidence tell me? So for everybody who's like, what does she mean by a narrative? Can you give us an example of one of your narratives? Gosh. So one of my favorite narratives is just about building your personal brand. And we think that we want to get promoted, right? Like I want to get promoted. You want to get whoever it is. And we don't understand how important it is that we are talking about what we do well. We are asking the questions. When you build a brand, it's not just about like, this is who I want to be. It's about who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? And what is missing? Because what happens in your personal brand is you think you're here on the chart. Your boss thinks you're here on the chart and you've got to manage that delta in between. So how do you manage the delta in between? In my program, I go into the specifics on managing that delta because if you think you're here and your boss thinks you're here, on this chart, you're never going to get promoted. So what are the steps that you have to take to start building and managing your personal brand to get to the place of promotion? Love that. And and I would even say that for those of you, you know, who maybe you're your own boss, there's also some delta there probably that you need to be thinking about. And what do you need to manage to really get the results that 
you're looking for. And part of that might be learning from people like Susan who have walked the path, who have thought about what am I bringing from my successful career prior to becoming an entrepreneur? Am I able and willing to walk through the pain, the frustration, and the joy that comes from bringing my vast experience into something that's tangible and I know is going to bring value that people need. And then doing that leap into, and now it's time world, I'm coming, this is what I'm offering, and that's your next step, right? You are launching this into the world. You're so close. And I think you're right, Meg, like the scariest piece is, right, you have to be open to feedback and you have to be open to how people see you. And so as an entrepreneur, we tell ourselves stories, but you've got to go out there to the world and seek feedback and confirmation, and you've got to be continuously growing. And so igniting that curiosity around who am I and getting people curious about who you are, it is is another narrative, right? Like ignite curiosity around what's happening around you, who you are and who you want to be. So what, as we're wrapping up today, if, if you had to identify some key things that you have done to help you down this challenging road and that maybe others can learn from if, as we're, you know, beginning to wrap up, what would you say some of those key things have been for you to continue with your traction forward? Most important thing is I've taken action every day, right? I got really tough feedback from my thought partner. She's like, you've got a lot of big dreams. You got to start taking action. I've taken action every day. I had a coach. So I have had that unbiased sounding board to help me work through some of the pieces that I couldn't figure out. I've been vulnerable, which was probably the hardest part because I grew up in an industry that was very much about proud and perfect. And over the past few years, I've just kind of let go of proud and perfect and and started practicing that self-care. And I've done a ton of education, right? Like I've taken a ton of coaching education. I've taken education, everything around like building a program. I've done all of the pieces and been curious about what I needed to do to put it all together. Love that. And you mentioned earlier that you've stayed connected with other people who are on the journey and you've Mm -hmm. invested in yourself. You've joined communities, you've bought programs, you've done what you needed to do to fill the gaps to make this happen. And I know that that hasn't always been easy. I want to go back to that because you're right. I have stayed in touch with people going through the same journey as me. And so we're all at different places of the journey. I was lucky enough that I could just leave corporate America and start coaching. I've got other colleagues in the industry who are doing still in corporate America and coaching part-time, but we have stayed in touch and pushed each other along too. And I think that having somebody in that place with you and giving you their ideas and sharing your ideas and not guarding everything. Like I have given everything I have and they give everything back. It's, it's, it's a big motivator for me. So good. Susan, I want to thank you for sharing your journey. I also want to let everyone know we're going to have some key uh, links for you to be able to connect with Susan in the show notes. And uh, if you want to know more about her program, we'll also have ways for you to be able to connect with that. Uh, Remind me if you've named your program. So the program is named Talent Strategy for One. And I spent my whole career helping 
large organizations, $2 billion organizations build talent strategies for their workforce. And so now I am about helping those individuals build their talent strategy. You should not let an organization be in control of your talent strategy. It is about you building a talent strategy for one to move your career forward. Love it. Best of luck. I know you're taking the world by storm and I appreciate you sharing your story with us today. Thank you for giving me the place to do it. Thank you again to Susan Collins for joining us and sharing her journey to creating her offer, helping us understand that balance between what we bring, what our clients need, how we put it all together, and the vulnerability that comes with that, but also the reward. If you want to know more about Susan, be sure to go to starcoachshow.com slash 338, starcoachshow.com slash 338, and grab the links to connect with Susan in the show notes. My conversation with her continues in the Star Coach member community. If you're interested in being a part of a thriving community, which by the way, Susan is a member of, go to starcoachshow.com and explore the community. Next week, I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Lizette Warner to the show. Lizette and I are going to be talking about our unique recipes for power, poise, and presence, and how that feeds into our authentic voice and how important that is as coaches. So be sure to come back and join us for that. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review wherever you listen to the podcast so that more listeners find us and we can create a better world together. So until next week, This is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.